1: Welcome to another episode of out of the blank podcast i'm here with brian brian welcome to the show and for everyone out there listening who might not know who you are why don't you introduce yourself
0: yeah thank you for having me i'm uh, brian dunning i'm uh, best known for the skeptoid podcast which i've been doing since 2006. subtitle is critical analysis of pop phenomena so i like to look at any subject where a lot of people believe in something but that it's not true ideally there's more interesting real science or real history um, than what you'll find in the popular version of the story. So I guess I'm recording episode 823 this week. So there's there's a lot of them and there's no danger of running out of material anytime soon. There's plenty of strange things that people believe.
1: What, what uh, I guess would say made you dive down the realm of just talking about things that, I mean, for some people, it's kind of like a religion in a sense. I mean, a lot of people believe in something so much that it becomes a little bit hostile in
0: some situations. Yeah, that that happens quite a lot. I get, you know, all science writers get, uh, basically as a as science writer what, what I would do if you asked me what it is I do for a living, because that's 99% of my job is doing the writing and researching. And all science writers get, you know, death threats and everything else because anything you say is popping somebody's sacred cow and something that somebody takes very personally and very seriously and you know it's unfortunate that that's part of the job but you know heck it's important that people learn to discriminate between what's true and what's not
1: what's uh one that you find that you get the most kind of like blowback for
0: oh well global warming obviously anything where there's uh any 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 connection to uh to political parties uh and you know, it's sort of unique in the United States. The United States is literally the only country in the entire world that has a major political party that denies climate science as part of its official party platform. So half the country, um, you know, wants to see me burned in effigy or I guess burned for real <laughs> whenever I do uh, an episode on, on talking about climate change or. Anything related, uh, you know, wind power, solar, solar car, uh, electric cars, uh, any anything that uh, that touches on that. What about electric cars? Oh, uh, they say that uh, the the same people behind the fossil fuel interests will argue that uh, because of the manufacture of the battery and the entire product life cycle, that electric cars are actually worse for the environment and end up producing more greenhouse gases than internal combustion cars, and yeah, that's that's an interesting topic because there's some truth to that. Up until the car is sold, uh, electric cars do have a higher greenhouse gas footprint than internal combustion cars. But the minute they start to drive, of course, the equation flips completely on its head. And they're outrageously uh, better in terms of uh, the greenhouse gas emiss- emissions from the entire life cycle of the car and the battery. Um, but uh, it's, it's one of these things that just won't die. It's it's kind of, a, it's kind of an old myth now. Uh, it's been very thoroughly debunked many, many times, but uh, you know, it, it, it just depends on where people get their news sources. If people get your news sources from a biased source, and people do that on all po- sides of the political spectrum, um, you're gonna have a bunch of bad information. What about energy.gov? Energy.gov? Uh, I don't recall looking at energy.gov, so I couldn't give you an opinion on that. They say nuclear is the best way to go. That's There's a lot of people who who believe that. I think I think that, uh, as I say, most, most people in the science communication business would agree that nuclear definitely has to play a role in any uh, carbon neutral future that we have. Uh, I certainly agree with that.
1: I think where I kind of stand and where I get... I mean, I... Mostly get labeled a conspiracy person for probably for the people that I have on. And I like to entertain the crazy stuff as long as it doesn't get violent. But if we talk about corporate elites, I would like to talk about Mark Zuckerberg possibly being a lizard. I'm just saying, um, just throwing that out there. Obviously, I'm joking around when I say that, but some people, they don't really hear some the people joke aren't. Part. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, but <laughs> when I believe that for real,
1: when it comes to uh, I pulled up energy.gov on the show and I was looking through and they're talking about nuclear energy being a better form of energy. And I just kind of look at it like is the thought that runs through my head when I read that is it are they being honest? Or are they trying to just sway it like into their opinion or whatever their bias is, you know, um, or at the same time, why is it every time I think of nuclear energy, I think you're going to grow a third arm or some type of like nose on your forehead and you start to realize like, has this all just been littered? And so a lot of people kind of questioning and wondering where to go much like during this pandemic, people are looking for answers. People run with the thing that they see, but I, I can never pull out of my head when it comes to conspiracies or ideas. I just have a question of people who are running this system. I mean, I feel like you have a bias. You're going to run by your bias. It just really depends on um, I guess who you're getting your information from. But even then that's hard to tell because
0: everyone's got a bias in something. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. That's underscores one of the difficulties of being in my position. Um, you know, the, there's the word consensus, which is always oh, such a controversial word because it's, it's normal use in normal language is completely different from its scientific meaning. You know, when you, when you and I say, oh, there's a consensus of scientists who say this, what most people hear is, oh, scientists got together in a room and and agreed and decided, okay here's what we're going to say. That's our consensus. Uh, In science, consensus means you have broad experimental replication. It's got nothing to do with people agreeing with each other. It's about test results and the results of studies. Um, And when you have broad replication all around the world from all sorts of different parties, that's when we say that there's a science consensus on a position. So it's very different from, from what people from what people think it means.
1: And it probably gets more difficult too, because I mean, I've talked to people who are climatologists who will tell you climate change is real. And then I've talked to people who aren't maybe have an advanced engineering degree or some other type of thing that'll show graphs that it's not. And it's like with technology, it's so hard to tell because anybody can make a graph on an Excel spreadsheet or some type of Microsoft Office thing where you don't know what's real. And then I start to also think how many times have I been told publicly about something? Let's take it for like, saying that don't buy any or uh don't buy N95 masks only because then you find out that they're trying to keep them for more healthcare providers. I get the point behind it but it's that lie part where it's like what are we supposed to decipher what's true what's not and then I have this like I wouldn't call it paranoia but I more have this type of thought that goes into my head like are you like, where's the, where's the poop, man? Like, you gotta, you gotta pull that up too. If you're offering me a billion dollars in one hand and you have a piece of shit in the other, just give them both to me so I can make my decision. You're just like throwing that one at me later. You know what I mean? I, I like the, the full frontal honesty, even though people really don't want to hear honest opinions. They want to hear ones that fit with their owns. If I'm wrong, then I'm, I mean, I don't have anything where I'm completely biased into a certain point and i feel like with you you're just more based on evidence you're looking at like this is what it is this is what it is you're very very critical in your episodes but i love it dude episode 800 is my favorite i've never laughed so hard in my entire life it was to the stars i think it was called dude yeah. That the musical number was just that got me i had to listen to that like uh at least 15 times um but i i feel like you you come to it and for me, I've always tried to see the other person's perspective as well, too. And in a lot of sense, I'm pretty sure you know this as well, too. It's not easily done. And it's sometimes impossible in a sense, because there are some people that just refuse to even listen, they'll walk away, or they'll feel like they're 100% right, in a sense, and they will have to move on. It's like, you're tr- I'm trying to look for that redeemable quality, that one that's going to be like, we can sit and talk about these things like I think the whole world needs an open discussion, whether it's conspiracies, whether it's whatever it is. I feel like there needs to be a general discourse. I don't know if you'd agree with me in that.
0: I, I, I wouldn't generally. And, and the reason is the reason goes back to the I, I did a really old episode years and years ago um, that I still stand by every word. And I know a lot of my colleagues agree with it, too which talks about how these public debates and public forums are actually harmful and they, they yeah. teach more misinformation than they teach real information. If you're going to have a debate, I get challenged to debates all the time from anyone from creationists to climate denialists to UFO truthers or whatever. They want to debate me and they want to do it in some public forum. And I always say no. Because when you have a science question, to which we know the answer, which we know what the real science says, to then take that to a public debate forum where we're going to say, here's one side and here's the other side, you're simply suggesting that some disagreement or some debate exists where none does. And so you're actually teaching the wrong message. And so I don't agree with the idea of, Um, what you were describing would be a big public forum where we're going to freely talk about all of these ideas because these ideas are not all equal and they should not be presented as if they are equal because that teaches a wrong message.
1: Um, That's why I wanted to have you on is because I feel like you have a a different experience than how I've kind of tried to do it. And I actually I I like it a lot better. Mostly I can't handle like criticisms. So like when immediately when I get someone upset, I'm like, I'm so sorry. But like, you're kind of like, I'm just going to tell it how it is. And I like that a lot. Um, I just feel like even with the debate thing, the debates on the on TV, they're not even, they're, they're just entertainment. There's no rationality or there's no actual discourse being talked about. It's just someone shouting at another person, another person not cutting them off when they should be getting cut off. And I feel like that's where it starts to go wrong. I feel like if you're really going to have a moment to really educate a lot of people and talk about it and show that you can be rational in a lot of your decisions, you need to have a, a discourse. And yeah, some of the things that like, I'm not a flat earther, but I have a friend who's a flat earther, but I'm going to hear him out. Um, mostly because we're friends. But at the same time, it's just interesting to watch me gasp and like, holy crap, this guy's like brainwashed in a sense. But in those type of things, you don't, I don't I don't know. I just don't like the quality of people feeling like that they're unredeemable in a sense. And I think through all the episodes that listened of your show and then all the episodes you've have done as well too, well over 800, um, you've kind of talked about a lot of these things as well too. And I think it depends on really, I guess, I wouldn't say knowledge, but I say more of, I guess, moral things. More how believable or how like skeptical you are on some things. You, you, some of it just is like goes right over your head. Like, how is this even a thing? Like werewolves or vampires or any of that type of stuff. But for some person, depending on what their experience is, they might be like, "Oh, a hundred percent, like the Earth is not flat." But then they're like, "I also like vampires and I believe in vampires." You're like, "All right, well." Well, what I honestly would take you if you were a flat earther, like you got to have, you know what I mean? You know, you get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I do. But but when you're talking about something like vampires, and yeah, I've done I've done plenty of episodes on subjects like that, where arguably, probably not a single person listening to the show believes in it. Uh, something you know, some ancient magical thing, or some something really far out there like vampires, that probably no intelligent person thinks it's real those are still valuable subjects to talk about because they teach exactly the same lessons in how thinking goes wrong. Maybe this is thinking going wrong back from the 16th century, but we can look back and we can see what happened and we can see that witches were burned at the stake as a result, and we can apply those lessons to misinformation today. And the t- same lessons really do apply, and there is value in talking about, uh, you know, there's a, there's a term that calls it Bigfoot skepticism. Uh, it's kind of a dismissive, denigrating term for professional skeptics who will still talk about bigfoot and ufos and silly things like that um, and there is a reason why we do it and it, it is important and it makes the show more entertaining for it too it's it's it gets old always talking about what's in the current news and everything sometimes i like for, to have a little bit of escapism and go back 200 years and see something really interesting that happened back then and how people reacted to it and what direction it took people in what direction it took our science knowledge in. I enjoy those subjects.
1: Have your thoughts ever changed on one that you've done like the UFO topic? I think that one, like just having the main guy from NASA, Bill Nelson, get up in front of everybody and talk about trying to find our origins on another planet. Like for me, I look at that as like, is that a push for funding? Like, are you just like about to lose your job and you're trying to make your your like I, for I, is that is that BS? I have no clue. But the UFO community hopped on it and they ramped it up. And I'm like, what is that? Like, that's for the general public. You're sitting here like me, like going Kramer through your hair where you're like, what
0: is going on? Bill Nelson is a very, very unfortunate choice for <laughs> to be the NASA Administrator. I, I don't know anyone who, who considers him to be a good NASA Administrator. He was hired strictly on the basis that he's the biggest proponent for the SLS, which is the most wasteful and useless and worst project NASA has ever done, and it should have been cancelled 15 years ago. And unfortunately, due to who knows I don't know how they make decisions in Washington, but that's why he got the job. And it turns out that he's, he's you know about one step from Edgar Mitchell, the famous Apollo astronaut who believed in spiritualism and everything else yeah. and was doing psychic experimentation from the moon. Um, so, so yeah, he's a he's a tough choice. But
1: why would they give him a platform like that to say that? Like you just sparked up a whole. See, that's where I start going. Like I, I never kind of. I, Because a lot of people, I feel like they put their personal experience or what they would personally feel they would do in the government. And I go, I would never just put it above the government to make a wise business decision if you're going to create a lot of animosity amongst people and get them divided on something rather than focusing on the main topic, which happens to be the pandemic most of the time. I mean, social media has ramped that up to the extreme, and then that's where people – look at me and they go oh you're a conspiracy person i'm like i'm not a conspiracy person i just think with everything you should question more i think the idea of a dismissal of an opinion or a perspective no matter how far out of the realm it is i just got to leave it in there just so in case like hey if that one person is thinking that you know there's a whole island of, of kids or whatever or there's a person taking kids to an island named epstein and we sit there and dismiss them the whole time well damn it if he's right we look like jackasses in a sense <laughs>
0: <laughs> Agreed.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: That's my only comment there.
1: <laughs> I, uh, because I just think it's, like, I like conspiracies up to a point. I think there's needs to be a healthy discourse and how they come across when they start to become violent. I consider that you cut them off. But after talking to like people who, I mean, a lot of people love the paranormal stuff. I've talked to people say, no, it's completely irrational. It's all this type of stuff. I mean, everyone's got a valid perspective. At least I try and look at as well, too. It's just hard because you want everything based in evidence. You want everything based in this, which is what I want, too. Um, I just don't like the terms that people start labeling or using, and they hijack them. Fact checker, Mark Zuckerberg hijacked, and most of the world has been hijacking to fact check. Like, you can fact check this, fact check that. Well, Mark Zuckerberg got, after that trial, said his fact checkers were opinion-based people. So they just agree with that certain narrative, and that makes you question more. So now you're having a lot of people with inner thoughts that are kind of questioning more about things, which is, in a sense, is good, but- also it makes it hard as hell to run a country when everyone's questioning every single decision and every single move which i mean it's not unhealthy but it's gotten to the point where it's unhealthy where everything now just seems like is everything secretly hidden workings i don't think that's like that at all but i don't know
0: yeah i mean fact checking is is um It's like what's an what's an unbiased fact-checking source well okay then now let's define unbiased what does unbiased mean according to who if i go ask one of the covid truther truckers what is unbiased means he's going to say well it means you're open to hearing the truth about covid well that means that if we use that as a source for fact-checking covid misinformation on twitter everything would get through every filter Um, so i mean yeah you've got (laughs) you've got to define what unbiased means and and uh, it, it's it's something that there's never going to be a solution uh, that, that satisfies everybody.
1: Well, how do you so come be... to a logical conclusion on a lot of these things that you read? I mean, not the far-fetched ones, but like the other ones out there where it seems like, like even 9-11, for instance. Everyone could say there's the 9-11 truth or single as an inside job. I don't think it was an inside job, but... Is it out of the realm of possibility to think that they didn't get a warning about it before? The same day that happened, they were running a simulation. In a simulation, you have to program. So that means either you got a warning that day or you've been getting a warning for like 10 years. And evidence shows that it might have been a warning from like a a while ago that they just never took it face value. So they were running a simulation on it. Now that might just threw me into a territory where you're going to attack me. That's okay. I'll still like you anyway. Rip me apart.
0: No, just kidding. You know, I, I read about a, about a week or two ago uh, from, uh, what source was it? This was something at American University. It's the university in D.C. where most of the intelligence community ended up going to college. Uh, and it said the Secret Service gets something like 14 credible death threats against the president every day. And, of course, 14 or 13.9999 of those tend to be false alarms. Or, or somehow wrong or it doesn't pan out. So you can imagine how many threats they get a day of some major terrorist attack. I don't know that number, but it's probably in the same ballpark, maybe even higher. Even if it's one-tenth, that's thousands of major terrorist attacks that they get a heads up on every year. Well, if one of those turns out to be right every 20 years, that's pretty you know, pretty good odds, but it also makes it really easy to look back and say, look, they got this warning. They didn't act on it. It must have been an inside job. It's another one of these situations where theres you just can't win. You just can't win. You can do your best, and there's still somebody's going to find fault with it and try and assign some, you know, malevolent intent to uh, to the failure to close every single little loophole.
1: Do you think it's something like that where it's just it, it would seem like it's just too big to not think that it was something like that. Or do you think it was just, cause I don't think anybody really wants to think that we literally had a blind spot that day. That was just that horrible event that could happen. Cause I mean, that just makes you fearful in life when you take a step out of the door in a sense. I mean, it's not like they happen every day, but in a sense, if it happened once, you know, it's going to happen again, no matter restrictions, no matter anything like that. I feel like sometimes people feel like they need that, it seems like everyone needs a Jesus on a cross, or they need something that they can they can attack or say, it's this one person. It's nobody else. It's just this one thing. And I heard your episode, um, which is interesting because I, a long time ago, was getting into, uh, what is it, the Innocence Project, where they talk about blood splatter analysis and that match. It's just this one thing, how it's dismissed in court. That for a long time was being run by, but it's like you have to really think of it. This one thing, this little instance, it sounds like you can hear it like that's what people want to hear. But in a sense, you got to think about it a little bit like that's a very, very minuscule chance that it could just be one thing rather than a combination of things. I think with any of these huge events like 9-11, anything like that. That's a combination of events going on. It's not just one thing that's not working well. That could be one person that was supposed to flag something at an airport, which in their commission report they do say, "This is in foresight or in hindsight, um, looking back." So don't like yell at us for it now because now we're doing an investigation and we found that this one person, person at TSA, there was a flags that should have been caught that what wasn't caught as well too. And I go, yeah, there's a to think that the the plan works with one enemy or one certain causation, that's not how it works. It's not how the world works. There's always inner workings. There's always something else, another perspective they're not seeing. The best part about history, anthropology, archaeology, all the evidence is what you have at the moment, but there's always something new to be discovered. There's something where some person goes, actually, they were over here in the year or whatever. And then you're like, well, that just, that explains how they got here, but I thought they originated here. It's like, no, they were actually over there before. You know what I mean?
0: you you got you to keep in mind, too, that uh, something like 9-11 was not difficult to accomplish. Uh, something like blowing up the Oklahoma City uh, Federal Building was not difficult to accomplish. Uh, the, the Beltway Snipers, two guys cut a hole in the back of their car, laid in the trunk and shot people through it for weeks. Uh, this is something that, these are people who were on nobody's radar, I mean nobody had any suspicion of these people. Well, I guess that's not true in the case of the, the 9-11 guys. But uh, if you or I wanted to do anything like that, it would be trivial for us to do it. You know, I've got, I've got a friend half an hour away who's a farmer. He buys more fertilizer every day than was used in Oklahoma City. I could buy some bags off of him and nobody would ever know. Uh, or I could just steal them from his barn. And I can load up a U-Haul truck. And I can go park it in the middle of the Golden Gate Bridge and blow it up and drop the bridge. I could do that and nobody, nobody could stop me and there would be no suspicion raised of me at any step along that way. And yet if I did that, think of, what, think of the conspiracy theory community, what they would say, who I must have been working with, You know, how many credible threats that must have raised and why did nobody act on it. Uh, these things are not difficult to accomplish. Four guys on an airplane sitting in way different seats all over the place suddenly stand up and walk to the front of the plane with box cutters. That could happen tomorrow. There's nothing stopping anyone from doing that. Well, the box cutters are modest, modestly more difficult to get on board a plane now, but certainly not impossible.
1: Can't even get a, like a thing above like six, what, milliliters of liquid on an airplane now?
0: That's ridiculous.
1: I mean, I think with some of it, I get it with like safety measures, but with the liquid stuff, I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like my cousin's a diabetic and it yeah. just gave us a whole plane hassle. When they're like, why do you have needles in your bag? I'm like, oh my God, my cousin's a diabetic. Hang on a second.
0: Um, <laughs> I, we have to I take off our shoes because of the shoe bomber we have to we can't bring liquids on board because of the one guy who tried to mix explosive and gatorade bottles or something like that it's 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 just it's just it's just comedy it's not and it doesn't it doesn't change it doesn't make us a, a little bit safer a lot of people have written on that subject i don't that's not a subject for my show because that's more of an, an opinion piece it's not a hard science question so that's not the kind of thing i would talk about on my show but uh but i'm as frustrated by that as as many people are
1: what um what i say is one topic that you really really find like you focus in on like one that you really like i, I wouldn't say enjoy talking about but one you just find that it gets you a little bit more like pumped up to dismiss it real quick
0: are you asking me or telling me i'm asking you yeah oh, i thought you were telling me i'm um, sorry I would say i would say the ufo thing uh and the reason is the ufo thing has penetrated so very deeply or um uh, the, And in a related subject, Havana syndrome. Havana syndrome, which is now being promoted by the same UFO people. They say it's all part of the same interdimensional mysterious consciousness phenomenon. That they're just getting further and further into outer space every day they talk about this stuff. Um, These are things that have absolutely no evidence, absolutely no basis, 1000% plausible explanations that are mundane and yet because the people who promote them as strange or unusual are the ones doing all the shouting um, on on television uh, it gets pretty good spread through popular culture and I'm so frustrated by the fact that TV news producers are motivated not to do any fact-checking they're motivated to report the sensational version of the story rather than the true version of the story because they're commercial businesses like any other, and they live on on clicks, and I find that so frustrating. And so those are the subjects that really get under my skin.
1: I had a, I've had a few of the UFO people on in the community, like big names, I would, or big names in the community. Um, but there are times when I'm hearing them talk, and I'm just kind of looking at them like, how, how much? Do, what are you really involved? Like this isn't like what I. Th- you, you feel like you're giving me a story in a sense you know what i mean like it's not like saying that that, that I'm not trying to fully 100 percent discredit them but like i think you mentioned it in the 800 episode i, I told you or we just talked about a minute yeah. ago um you mentioned one of the characters lou and then you started saying like he's not this and he's not that he's got three like reports that he keeps going by i was like holy shit like from what i've seen of him i, mean, I thought he was like really respected from like a white house like standpoint like but that's social media when you come across someone's profile they're going to tell you about all the Things that they have, rather than the things that they don't. Like, I mean, I'm honest about it. I just put it in my bio. I'm a loser, and then you know, move on to the next topic. But everyone else wants to brag about the things or small little moments, and they constantly glorify that. And it made me think about Skinwalker Ranch a little bit differently. Which I've had people on the show from that. Then I've had like Avi Loeb on, and then I heard from a bunch of other people talk about like it's a yeah, he made millions of dollars off that book. I you know keep running with it, and that's a lot of what you see. It's like, are you just It makes me question more about a person's intentions when I start wondering, are you just doing this because you're just getting a bunch of money or do you actually believe this? Like, that's where I try and split the two. I have no whatever remorse for your pain if you're just trying to make money and profit off of another person who's in 100% belief of this because now you're profiting off of people in a sense of it's not helpful. It's more hurtful than anything
0: yeah i mean these are with that crowd in particular you know i've i've researched and written on them a lot and their history in promoting alien visitation goes back decades Um, and yet when you hear any of them talk lou elizondo will say oh i was always skeptical about ufos i never thought any of that was real at all Uh, okay that's obviously completely false when you look into his background Uh, leslie leslie keen leslie kane i keep hearing it pronounced two different ways She's on the board of Robert Bigelow's New Consciousness Institute, and in one of the little videos on their website, she says, I'd never met any of these people. I was so amazed to be in the same room with these, with these incredible people. No, these people have been writing books together 30 years ago. I mean, it's why do they make up this false persona that says, oh, this is, they're, they're, they're as surprised by the reality of this as you are? Uh, and, and the reason they, they make up those false personas is to try and give themselves credibility, to try and make it more relatable. They don't want people to know that these are, that they're lifetime promoters of some very, very strange ideas. Uh, they're, they're motivated ideologues, and they make a living from it. You know, if, if, I don't know how many of them make a living completely off of Robert Bigelow, but uh, the rest of them are getting book deals, and Leslie's got her HBO movie now. I mean, it's... It's very annoying. there's no money in doing the science side of things
1: yeah that's what sucks is that you guys don't get a lot of credit for the things that you do i mean besides like michael Shermer and like other people like that i mean you you have a very successful show as well too and a good platform and supporters i've heard um mostly i'm so happy i'm talking to you right now because i've heard your episodes so many times where i'm like is this voice really that deep like it just sounds really bassy um (laughs) but i feel like it's all
0: equalization i assure you
1: (laughs) i feel like with um especially like a topic like the UFO one, do you ever get scared a little bit? like of wonder how this is going to affect future generations. Cause I mean, if you look through history, we're basing our information from the past off records and journals. And I'll even talking to a Rome archeologist talking about the wealth class, usually the higher ups are the people that were literate enough to read and write. Um, so we have documentation from their perspective, but never from usually a lower perspective than that. And I start looking at the digital footprint that's getting left behind. And honestly, the digital footprint is not really the best one. It's going to have a lot of people really mixed up in a lot of senses whether it's true or it's not true, there's true. But then it's like what gets labeled as misinformation and disinformation, half the stuff that they labeled misinformation or disinformation in the past is now able to be said, I could say ivermectin now can't say that couldn't say that on YouTube. Uh, a year ago, not even a year ago, half a year ago, couldn't talk about a bunch of stuff. And then now they're letting it up there where it's like, is it okay now? What is it? Like, that's the thing is I, I start getting nervous for not just other people out there but for future generations that are coming up they're going to look at our digital footprint and be like how the hell do i piece this up together with sticky tape duct tape whatever you want to offer that i can't bring on an airplane but you know you share my
0: kind of fear a little bit or no um not really uh and and the reason is because i do so much looking back um i do so much looking back in time at old ideas uh, when I did an episode on, um, take the old, the old flat earthers. You know, you've got the new flat earthers, which are largely from the conspiracy theory community, and you've got the old flat earthers, who are from the Christian fundamentalist community. So you go back to the 1800s, and you know, the, the history of a, of a false idea is often a fascinating one. And you can read books about all of the experiments that were being done in the 1800s to try and prove that the earth was flat, and and all kinds of things, and and it's a fascinating history. See, history has the advantage of being able to look back and compare what was believed then to how things shook out in the in the interim. Right now, we can't look forward twenty years and say what's going to be the perspective on these three stupid Pentagon UFO videos. Uh, but in twenty years, we'll be able to look. We'll know what that answer is, and we'll be able to look back and and know how silly they were. So I'm not worried that the history books are going to be wrong or it's going to be difficult to write them in the future. Um, I think that's a belief that people have always had throughout time and probably will always have. But if you look at the history books that exist, I think you'll, you'll feel more confident about that.
1: I wish I shared that confidence, but with society and the way that it's attacking academia in a sense as well, too. I've talked to a lot of people that have experienced horrible stories with academia on the basis of what society thinks. Um, Anthropology being a hard career in its own, archaeology being a hard career in its own. um, That's what scares me is like what? What, what is UFO Twitter or UFO community going to pop into what society's beliefs are? And the next thing you know, we get this whole sense of you can't ever say anything bad about UFO Twitter or you're going to get banned from your institution. I mean, there's people that can't speak about gender in a sense, freely dating bones, only on the concept of just what society thinks. Uh, Peter Boghossian studies the best one. The Is it the Misconceptual Penis Study um, that he talks about where just having your legs spread open is akin to raping the air around you. He wrote in a study and the institution said, okay, it's great. And it's like, did you read it? But all they did was insert keywords and it was the trick them that. They're not reading it. They don't want to go against society. Any person that's getting elected doesn't want to sit there and tell you you got to do this and do that. Or they're f- afraid they're not going to get reelected. I mean, it looks at that aspect of things of like society is like on the fringe constantly like it just seems like people are i don't know they like they're treating us with kids gloves in a sense maybe we do need kids gloves
0: name a time in history when people haven't been suspicious of academia you won't find one yeah that's true this is just this is this is the norm this is just how the human race works Uh, i really don't think that things are so different today than they have been at any time in the past And the reason I think that is because I spend so much time at literally every day. It's my job looking at what people used to think.
1: Well, I mean, that calms me down a little bit. I was thinking like, Oh my God, we're entering this new age where everything's going to get messed up. But what do you think about like that, the, the technology, you think a lot of this is influenced by technology. Like it seems to be ramping up in a sense, or do you think that it's a lot of I know it's, for me, it's just going to probably be technology It's that open access, man. You could toilet Google like it's nothing.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, a very active area of discussion and an active area of research is the ease of spreading information, making things better or worse now than ever before. And I, I, I look at it just as a rising tide raises all boats equally. It's easier to spread good information and it's easier to spread bad information but it's the information itself that 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 really matters. And um, I think we're going to be able to look back on today in future years, and we will we'll find that it's really hasn't been any different than in times in the past.
1: Do You find that a lot of people are more looking for something that fits their narrative? Or do you find that more people are looking for something I guess that um, is actually the correct answer? Because I, I, talk to, I mean, I've done a thousand something episodes and each episode is a conversation with like a, whoever, um, that's, I'm trying to get their perspective on things to gain insight on my own. So in a sense, selfish. Um, but I feel like I'm also not really trying to look for a certain narrative. I'm kind of being open to all realms.
0: I, you you gotta be careful not to paint with too wide of a brush on this because everyone is somewhere different along that spectrum of am I actually going to be doubtful of what I deeply believe Uh, and am I just looking for information that I like is that what makes me happy I do think that most people are probably toward that end of the spectrum Um, my, my job is to forget whatever it is that I think. I have to explicitly forget whatever I think is the case. I don't care. I'm going to go into the literature and see what's actually the case. And I get surprised almost every week. Uh, I often go into an episode with, not, not necessarily, it's not necessarily a sacred cow that I'm all upset about every day. Uh, but uh, if you ask me, okay, what's, um, here's an interesting, the one I'm working on right now, I'll just use that as an example. I'm looking at the history of rogue waves you know rogue waves the waves that are more than twice as high as any other waves around them that come out of the blue very very infrequently and they might flip a ship over or do something surprising and if you look on Wikipedia it's going to say well until the first one was recorded by a laser rangefinder scientists didn't believe that rogue waves were real and they didn't have the math that they had previous to that was uh, it didn't allow for the possibility of waves that were that much bigger than anything else. OK, now that's something I'd heard before, and if you asked me about it two days ago, I would have told you, yeah, that's, that's right. Scientists didn't think that they were real until we got the actual data for one, and now we had to go back in and adjust the physics and adjust the equations and update our theories to accommodate them. Well, it turns out that's, there's no truth to that at all. Uh, scientists have, all, as far back as I could find any research papers written, all the way back to the early 20th century, every scientist who published on it allowed for the possibility of extremely large waves that were outside the bounds of the statistical um, equations. So I was wrong this week. Now, it wasn't something that I was super passionate about. But I was wrong. And the reason I was able to be wrong is because I said, okay, I'm flipping the switch now, I'm turning off everything I think is true, and I'm gonna go in and, and look at the look at the research and look at the data. How many people do that? I've, everyone does it sometimes. I think most people don't usually do it. Most people don't really care about history or science or, or learning. They just, you know, who am I having drinks with tonight? Yeah. So those are the people who I think are most susceptible to their having their news feed set to it's either Fox News or it's CNN and Washington Post, one or the other, and they're just going to accept biased information from their preferred source, and they post it on Facebook and then we have all kinds of division in society.
1: <laughs> uh- yeah, you would expect people never want to be afraid, but they're they're happy with this fear mongering. I don't I just I literally cut off social media. I just post put up one post a day. I just started using email, which I'm getting okay at. I think um, I'm managing a little bit. Um usually I just use social media, but it's been so toxic now. Where it's like every time you're on it, something about politics and something about this and something about that. I don't know how many people put a Ukrainian flag picture in their profile picture. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know I have complicated feelings about that because I'm just like what what they don't they're not checking the internet right now I'm 100% honest with you but people want to signal a little bit to the tribe and let them know hey we're making a statement about this so we're in the general public and it's like it's like what I brought up about um universities before Princeton made a um statement during the I think it was like during the Black Lives Matter protest where they talked about. We realize that before we might have discriminated against certain races and we're not like that anymore and we're going to do better or something like that. You can look through their track record. There was no race thing like that at all. And Trump actually made a statement about it as well, too. Now, as soon as I say Trump, people just call you a right wing person. I don't like him. It's fine. Um, But he made a statement and called him out about it. was like there's, we will do a thorough investigation of your whole university or institute or whatever. And we'll make sure that, you know, we'll find anything. We'll change it and make sure it's equal for everybody. They look through it. White house, everything, nothing. They were just like, no, they were signaling. They even admitted they were signaling to other people. I'm like, that's what gets me. It's like, just because a narrative is going in a certain way, you can't just sway with it because you feel like you want to get a bunch of people that are going to be cheering you or giving you that like button.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 glad that uh, what I do for a living doesn't leave me any time to pay attention to current events and and and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, that's um, that uh, that incites so much negative passion these days uh, because I find that whole area very distasteful. And I'm I'm glad that I have an excuse to be away from it all day, every day.
1: Well, it's crazy we're in a topsy-turvy world where you reporting the correct stuff and the stuff that you do find evidence-based isn't popular. I mean... not 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 saying that as in like the like how ufo twitter is where it's just a bunch of craziness at once and then that gets popular people like the jersey shore style stuff rather than the actual basis of logic or evidence and stuff like that there are so many researchers i've talked to have created extinction event hypotheses um any any type of like serious theories or social studies or any type of thing like that and I'm like, how are you not more known? And they're like, well, no one wants to hear something like this. They want to go to the cool thing or whoever's got a boob job or something like that. I'm like, that's a fair point, but that's really intense as society's not focused on the actual stuff that might be progressing the human species in a sense, whether it's
0: intellectual or whether it's physical. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I have most of, so, so my company Skeptoid Media, you can kind of see a little sign for it up there. Um, we're, we're an educational nonprofit. Uh, we, don't, we don't get any commercial income from the podcast or from our other projects. We have a couple of YouTube series. We make documentary films and educational films. Uh, all of our income is private grants and donations. And the people that listen to my show are probably, they're probably in the choir already, and they support the show because they believe it's important for this information to get out there because there's always going to be people who are interested in finding out the real facts about subject x whatever that might be and even though they might not be listening to my podcast today and a podcast episodes going to come and go at least the archives will be up there the website is going to be up there the books are going to be out there the information will be out there for, for people to find you know long after i'm gone and long after skeptoid media is gone so Even though there might not be people searching for the information today as much as we wish there was, there will always be them out there. And the creation of good resources is, I think, super important. Whether it's popular today or not is not as important. Certainly we all wish it was more important, but um, at least the information's getting out there.
1: Well, even just given a platform like a news network, like that's the thing is that whenever someone goes, I've seen it on Fox or I've seen it on CNN, it's like an example that they use. It's because they used to have a lot of power. I mean, a lot of impact in the things. Everyone watched the news networks or the number networks, ABC, whichever you want to say it leads into this weird era where like podcasts do spread like seem like they're taking over a large form of media. I mean, the reference is usually Joe Rogan or something like that, but it's anybody Michael Shermer show. It's just information. It's storytelling in a sense as well, too, depending on what your show is. I just feel like, I wonder if that's ever going to translate to TV in a sense where you're going to have like skeptoid media on a uh, network, not like the news, but in a better form, I would say, because even you can point at any of these news outlets that just report the same kind of, Chunk just they rephrase it differently whether it's Fox or CNN but having an actual source where people can turn on the television that's easily accessible to a lot more people than listening to podcasts I'm surprised the number of people that don't know what Spotify is I'm like how do you not know what Spotify is They're like is that a is that an Uber app it's like Uber app You know what Uber is, but you don't know Spotify is. But if you had it on TV, it would make it more accessible. But then if I open up the door, say, we put independent podcasts or other podcast networks up on a actual TV network, then people go, well, you're going to have networks up there that they don't like and that they consider misinformation and spreading up that, which then it leads us back to the same thing we're in the beginning with Fox and CNN being on there as well, too.
0: Yeah, you know, we keep, over the years, we've uh, dabbled in uh, television, half a dozen times, uh, we've either been involved in or executive produced two, two or three TV pilots or at least uh, at least uh, sizzle reels for, for potential series. We've pitched a bunch of series. Uh, these past couple years, we've put quite a lot of um, effort into a PBS series, and I think that's what we're likely to pursue again in the future. Unfortunately, our local PBS affiliate, um, that department of them did not survive COVID. So that project is on the back shelf. So we don't have any PBS series on our front burner right now. Uh, we're going to continue and make uh, at least one or two more um, documentary films before we look back into television. But uh, I certainly agree with you, the importance of, of that medium. Um, it's probably not a long term importance, but it's short term importance. TV shows, you know, most ninety-nine percent of TV shows that have ever been out there, you're not going to find them on Netflix or YouTube or Prime. Or they just they just disappeared. So TV is good for influencing the, um, you know, the people here and now. Look at Ancient Aliens. You know, unfortunately, that's probably about the most influential show on TV right now. It's the uh, same shit over and over
1: again. That. It's the same yeah. thing over and over again. It's crazy <laughs> how they keep beating that alien topic over and over. And it seems like they cut it. Like I was talking to someone who was involved in that show and they go, I was there for three hours and they use one minute or two minutes of what I said, just talking about aliens. I was like, oh. Like you just get to this point where it's like, what about the other stuff? Like I'm more believe, like I wanna talk about the minerals that we're discovering on a new planet, the stuff that's actually physically there, you can hold and you can take them back and send a sample, like that stuff. I don't wanna talk the skepticizing of, you saw a picture that's blurry and it looks like an alien laying on a rock. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm that
0: guy in the back
1: that's shouting that, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you know, of course that that experience is typical. Our our current film that's uh, going into distribution right now is called Science Friction. should be appearing on streaming services within a matter of weeks. How many weeks? Unfortunately, there's not a way to to predict. Um, But it's it's a full-length documentary film that's all about scientists who went on these TV shows as talking head experts and were then misquoted or edited out of context. Uh, In some cases, very deceptively edited out of context. To make it sound like they're saying, "Why, yes, scientists do believe that aliens built the pyramids," and we've got uh, an hour and a half of this, and it's freaking fantastic. Um, most of the ones we include in the film are better stories. The ones that uh, we had a thousand of that we just couldn't put in the movie because there's just too many of them were the exact same case that you just that you just described. You get interviewed. These, you know, the the production company they send a they send a two three man production team to your house. They spend an hour lighting you and miking you and setting up the room and everything. And then they interview you for an hour. And they have you tell the same story a hundred different ways. And they suggest a way to rephrase each sentence. And they just beat you down. And try and get you to say it in such a way that they can use just that snippet, just that little 10 second snippet out of the entire hour and edit it into the rest of the show to make it seem like you're supporting this alien visitation narrative or, or, or whatever it might be. They The standard way that they do this is to ask, okay first just tell us the legend. Don't give the explanation. Don't talk about the real science. Just give us, you know, what what is the legend? What did people used to think about this? And they want you to say, oh, okay well uh, Bigfoot is a creature that terrorizes the, ram- the Northwest and Kills people in the forest, and then I guarantee you that's what they're going to use—just that—and you're going to come off as a nut. So we've got we've got a couple of those in, in the movie, and you can the people talk about how it impacted their career and everything. And um, yeah, those TV shows suck.
1: That's I really uh... hate that. That's interesting. Uh, real quick, Brian, can you say out of the blank podcast is the, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> well, i Well, do they have legal action with that? Because I mean, like that's what, I mean, if it gets someone more fame, I can see why someone wouldn't want to pursue. But I also think that it puts you in a certain category when you start spouting off the Bigfoot's reel. Um, either helps or hurts you in a sense. And if you're a scientist, I think that's going to be the one that's going to hurt you mostly in the academic field when you start talking about things of that. It's kind of like when you get, a scientist or an airplane pilot that talks about how the earth is flat and you're just kind of like does that make it more true or does that mean that you're just a crazy person looking for money you know like that's what it, it's hard i mean i even though probably trying to do another person i don't edit my podcast so you don't have to worry if you want to call me an idiot, it stays in here it's fine um but it I, like that's the i it's got to be a fear to be on people's shows as well too because you don't know what someone's gonna do and it just sucks you wish people would have more kind of honesty in their interactions as well too i mean i was i was honestly nervous with you coming on the show because i was just like this guy's gonna drill me if i say something stupid like i don't know like a conspiracy or something like that but i feel like you're very open and you're very nice at least about it i know there's some things you probably want to stop me on as well too feel free um but i think you have a regular this is your
0: show you say <laughs> whatever you want
1: <laughs> I, I just i feel like you have a rational kind of under understanding but also at the same time like i'm i'm not really and I don't know, like one of these people that are sitting there are going to be like, you said this and this and this. No, I'm not that. But I think that's a lot of what you see when you go online. And I'm rambling. Yes, I know.
0: So- well, in answer to your question is, is there any kind of legal recourse for the people when they go on these TV shows? That's a real quick and easy answer. It's no, because of the release that you have to sign when you do these. Uh, you know, they never pay anyone. Um, I always demand a fee, you know, a uh, I ask for fifteen hundred bucks, and I'm willing to negotiate it down based on who they are. Uh, but most people, and they always say no. Oh, it, we can't. We can't ever pay anyone. It would be unethical for any TV program to pay someone to appear on the show. You know, that's when you know you're talking to a twenty-year-old producer who's an idiot and thinks you're an idiot too. Um, but they you, never. You pay didn't anyone. ask me
1: that. You didn't say, "Hey, I want money to be on your show."
0: No, not for podcasts. Okay. <laughs> There's no tom o'neill to the guy
1: who wrote the book on manson the tom o'neill the guy who wrote the book on the manson murders asked a thousand dollars i was like dude, what the fuck like i don't know i mean do you think that's true too his whole investigation into like the cia owning the place where manson was getting his drugs and then after his book comes out the whole place shuts down is that i've real? never heard of that so i have okay. not
0: looked into that all right thank god i can't tell you head. that but anyway, the release of information says they, can, they, they own the footage and they can do whatever they want with it. That's, that's pretty simple, and that's absolutely standard, and they, they wouldn't use your footage if you didn't sign that release. So yeah, you can't. there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, in two of the cases that we feature in the film, uh, it's called Science Friction, and there's a trailer available at sciencefriction.tv in case it's not already on the streaming services when you hear this to all you people out there in podcast land. Um, two of the cases that we feature in the show the people were so badly misrepresented that they complained and their universities complained to the network and uh, the networks actually re-edited the show to they didn't really fix it but they they took out the really blatant misrepresentation of, of the person um, which made it interesting for us because it was hard to get that original footage because they scrubbed it off of the internet so well um,
1: do they have legal action against you if you post that, though? Because doesn't that mess with their original film?
0: So no, because we're we're doing everything under fair use. If the the fair use clause is, uh, you know, extremely specific and you have to be deliberately commenting on the work that's being shown and using it for some educational purpose, which we clearly are. Nevertheless, Whenever you make a film that includes this kind of footage, talking about real people, real TV shows, real production companies, you have to get, you have to have insurance that protects you and the distributors uh, from uh, infringement and defamation. And those are pretty expensive policies to get. In order to get those policies, you have to find an entertainment industry law firm that will write an opinion letter that goes through the entire movie scene by scene and talks about everything is we don't think that this statement is actionable because of X, Y, and Z. And it's always an explanation of why this scene fits into fair use. So we had to be very careful in what we filmed, we had to be very careful in what we included in the edit, and we had to get that opinion letter from the lawyers, and then we had to go out and get the insurance companies, uh, the insurance policies. So. Yes, we could still be sued. We talk about Disney in particular.
1: uh, Light them up. Give me some bad stuff, please. I hate I've been talking trash on Disney since their start.
0: (laughs) Well, word is that Disney doesn't care and they're going to sue everyone for everything. (laughs) I have no personal experience if that's true, but that's what everyone told us. That's what the lawyers told us. And they said, I recommend you just cut out that entire thing where you're talking about Disney because it's just not worth it. However, we're covered. Because we have the insurance, we have the opinion letter, and it is fair use. So we will win if anyone sues us. And I'm kind of looking forward to someone suing us because because of the Streisand effect. What is our whole movie about? It's about them misrepresenting the facts and misrepresenting scientists. If they want to sue us for the right to misrepresent scientists, that's not going to go well for them in the press at all. So I'm saying, bring it on, bring on those lawsuits. I'm sending them all straight to Variety magazine when the when the complaints come to my desk. What did you say to Disney? What did you do to Disney? <laughs> you got to watch the movie. We talk about it a little bit in the in the, in the trailer. If you want to watch the trailer,
1: I've put up their laws of what you can't do at their parks, and I've talked to a few like guests who worked at Disney parks. I always try and push that boundary a little bit. Um, It's just it's creepy to me. That's my Illuminati. Like I told Michael Shermer this. I was like, if I was to think of the when I say Illuminati people go, they associate like black cloaks and all that. I just consider if you have enough money, you get a seat at the table. And then at that point, you just basically make the system work. You found out a way to make the system work in your favor, paid partnerships, all that with like Google, Amazon. I think Disney. Started off as an amusement park and now it's got its hands in like everything where I go eventually it's going to own more than what we thought they originally owned, which is like they bought Marvel. So now they own that eventually Disney plus might buy something else. I just see the grass get bigger. I'm like, that's the devil. I've seen it. It's a mouse.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions on that to be sure. All right
1: fair if you don't want to talk about the bad stuff it's it's
0: not really it's just not really my area so i don't want to talk about things that i don't really have anything particular to say on
1: do you ever feel like you have to restrict yourself sometimes on the basis of like a suing aspect or something that you might want to research into but you know it's not covered by something like that
0: absolutely um especially when you get into alternative medicine and the charlatans that sell bullshit products that uh kill people. I would love to be able to talk more freely about that stuff. Vicks
1: um, Rub, good or bad?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try it and let you know. Um, I, have, I have quite a few colleagues who have been sued for uh, making statements like that. And I remember when their blog came out or whatever it was that they wrote, I remember reading it and going, I'm sorry, you're right, but it was foolish of you to, to, to publish this. And it's going to come and bite you in the ass, and and in a number of cases it has. And um, you know, I, I understand that these are battles that need to be fought. That we do need to, um, you know, shine the light of of truth. And if we're, especially when we're talking about dangerous products that are, that's killing people, um, I think there's other other courses you need to take. You need to bring in, you know, the FTC or whatever whatever you know, Big Brother friends you can get on your side. But to be just an individual to go out there and post something that is clearly defamatory, um, whether it's true or not, doesn't make any difference. It can still be defamatory. Um, I'm sorry, that's just foolish. And I'm very careful never to do anything like that. Um, Actually, since producing Science Friction, our company, we now have that insurance and it covers everything that we produce. So, you know, I am more covered. But I, I. Lawsuits just cost time and money and spirit and years of your life. There's no there's no winner in lawsuits. So the way I look at it is there are always other fish you can fry that don't defame someone. So as much as I might love to do an episode on this or that, I'm usually going to make a different choice and do an episode on something else instead. Um, And that's unfortunate and a lot of people criticize me for that. They say, oh, you don't have any guts. You should get out. Well, okay. I mean, it's your life that way if you want, but it's it's
1: easy for them to criticize when it's not their life. That's the thing is it's your life. You're basically going to toss it into the drain. It might be to help people, but at the same time, is it worth all the hassle and stress to literally lose money, lose time, lose all that? I mean, it's not, it's, it's not safe. I wouldn't do it if I had the information or anything like that either. I think that's why whistleblowers are kind of like crucial in such a way as well too. Um, even if you go under a fake ID or fake, uh, person account, have you ever tried thinking about doing that? Like just create a profile that might be fake in a sense.
0: No, that's, that's not how I roll. Okay.
1: That's fair. The puppies but, uh,
0: are fighting over here. I don't know if you're hearing it, but I uh,
1: hear chains rattling, but okay,
0: that's the puppies fighting.
1: Um, Brian, you given me enough of your time and I really appreciate you doing my podcast, man. It's been a pleasure. I'd love to have you back on. If you ever felt like chatting it up again. Um, I know Absolutely. I'm a bit much, I'm sorry.
0: Uh, Uh, But where can people find you, Brian? The podcast is at Skeptoid.com. And uh, all of our other projects are at Skeptoid.org. But the podcast Skeptoid, just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. And that's where you'll find many hours of skeptical goodness waiting to come your way. And the movie ScienceFriction.tv, please check it out and keep an eye out for it on your streaming services. Well,
1: thanks for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.